Welcome to the Westside Personalized Podcast, where real educators share their classroom-tested, learner-approved personalization practices. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion and are able to find a few valuable takeaways from the podcast. And so without further ado, let's go to the pod! All right, kicking off the Westside Personalized Podcast again this week, and I'm just thrilled. I'm amped. I'm excited, ready to talk with Craig Sikora here uh, about some of the personalized practices that I have had an opportunity to step in here and see uh, with his strength and conditioning class. I think he does a phenomenal job with that. And one of the questions that we oftentimes get asked in the collaborator role is, yeah, yeah, that stuff works for those core classes, but what does that look like in you know things that are a little bit more of an elective or something that is... is um, like the PE courses, anything that's kind of that phys ed banner. And I, I just think that the stuff that Craig does is fantastic. And so I'm really, thank you for being on the podcast today. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. And do uh, you want to give kind of everybody listening in a little bit of background on what classes specifically are you teaching currently? Uh, I know you got a couple of different ones, right. like the, the title of those courses would be. Well, in our department, we have strength training one, kind of an intro strength training. We have strength training two, a little bit more advanced. Uh, this is the last year of doing strength training three. And it's going to morph into advanced sports performance. Uh, so it, it's basically the, everything I teach has the, something to do with the weight room or outside speed, agility, development in the performance realm uh, versus the strength realm. Sure. So, so I got a chance to come in and watch the strength and conditioning three. Uh, mm-hmm. And the first thing that I noticed when I walked in was basically how you're running everything according to uh, the system that you've implemented through the projector and kind of the mm-hmm. timers. And so if uh, there are a lot of people that probably have no idea that that goes on <laughs> in strength and conditioning. So can you talk to them about that program and, and how that helps you to facilitate the different uh, groups in your class and, and kind of move them through yes. those activities? It's, it's a program that I saw or was introduced to at a strength and conditioning clinic. Uh, I have to do so many continuing education units to keep up my certification sure. as a National Strength Conditioning Associate member and uh, to be certified in strength training. And obviously you get different vendors or people that'll show something they use that kind of made their process of their weight room working more efficiently or safer or whatever the goal would be because they were having some kind of an issue. Well, one of the issues that we've had in the past is if I had a eight exercise workout that had three sets to each exercise, we're talking about 24 different sets. I might have 10 kids that are done in 20 minutes when it should take 45 minutes. And I might have another four students done in an hour and 13, 20 minutes <laughs> right. when it should have taken 45 minutes. So what's the issue there? Some kids are not following the recommended work to rest ratio. Right. Some kids are exploiting it, taking it to their advantage, and some of her are just trying to take as long a rest that they could possibly have, and we're not getting the same kind of uh, adaptations that we're trying to, to get from those exercises. Well, when I saw this product and it was showing how students and athletes are moved through the weight room in a systematic way where there's a rotation basis and your work time and your rest time is up on a screen and it's initiated by a whistle or a horn or a buzzer, and the, once the students kind of learn that process, they know when it's work time and they know when it's rest time. And of course, rest time also means that they're rotating to the next exercise, changing the weights that they need to. Mm-hmm. If they're lucky enough to be stationed next to a water fountain, they might get a drink of water. Right. Certain exercises are programmed to where they're probably going to get more rest because they have less repetitions to do. Mm-hmm. So even though I might give them 40 seconds to do the work, certain exercise might only take 22 so they get that additional time to rest because they didn't use the full work time. 
along with their resting and rotation period. Sure. And that's when they kind of get a little bit more advantage to go get a drink. But it's just regulating what we want to get done so everybody has the same process and we're trying to get the same adaptations based on what we're trying to do. Well, and I thought it was just so slick to watch how that had become such the routine or the norm in your class that everyone sort of understood you know, how that functioned and, like you said, to kind of accomplish really uh, the ideal pacing for a workout, uh, but also a way, just accountability piece. I, right. I, I could totally see in a, in a high school you know, PE class that you are going to have some people that really put in the right amount of effort and others that you want to make sure. Right. And th- there are drawbacks to every mm-hmm. system, to every organizational sure. thing, to every classman management idea you have. There's going to be a drawback. And as a coach or a teacher, you got to learn from that and try to anticipate how you can prevent that from happening in the future. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just part of, you know, organizing and leading the classroom is you have to know that you're going to make a mistake here too. You got to have a, a way <laughs> that you can get it back on track. Yep. And, you know, that's the essence of coaching and teaching is, okay, where did we go wrong? Why are we off task? And let's get it back on task. And how can we do that? What way can we do that? Well, maybe it's just, boom, pause everything. And everybody now is going to do some kind of core exercise. Or maybe that's when you bring in a new teaching thing or a quote and yeah. get everybody off their thought process of what was going wrong and make your adjustments without them knowing you're making an adjustment. <laughs> and then, boom, right back in. Yep. And using the technology and the programs, it really helps in certain aspects. But in other aspects, it can actually cause a few more problems, and you just have to season go it, the chase yeah. changes and add a you know, few more spices and understand. <laughs> all right, we did the best we could today, but we're going to make these little changes and and tweak it as you go. And I think all teachers do that, and especially all coaches do that. And and it's got to be something that has to be done. You can't just you know go on autopilot. So. So in the midst of all that, because if you're listening, you're probably going, okay, so that sounds like a really cool way to facilitate class, and that's an obvious structure that you have. Uh, where does this stuff sort of meet personalized learning? And so we'll kind of dive into uh, that element of it, particularly with the strength and conditioning three in the day that I was in here to observe. Um, you brought everybody in the office, all right, and I didn't, um, so I'll have you kind of talk to people listening through that, pro- like the process that you walked them through at that time about basically setting goals for themselves and then knowing what they know about all these different lifts, uh, just as a preview for people listening in. Uh, how they went about then designing their experience in this class to accomplish goals, the goals that you kind of set out. Well, or that they set themselves out is really what I, how I should word that. The yeah. goals that they set for themselves. Well, it's it's one of those things where you know, as as instructors, we have certain things we have to do, whether it's meetings or collaborations, PLCs, professional development. I have my professional development I have to do outside of the school with the strength and conditioning to keep my certification. So you're always learning something. It doesn't matter how old you are. If, if you're open-minded, if you, if you want to you know, get better, I mean, you're always learning something. And so whether I see it here or if I see it at a strength conference or I see it at a football clinic, I see it you know, on a podcast or listen to it on a podcast. I listen to a lot of podcasts. It's one of those things where I kind of call it a mobile university. I mean, if, if, if whatever <laughs> yeah. the, the topic you want to get, get a little bit more knowledge on, if you're going to drive to Lincoln to take somebody somewhere throwing a podcast and, and listen and, and learn a little bit. And it doesn't always have to be music, but I'm the same way. That's why yeah, I want to invest in this. Exactly. It's been great. And uh, so you hear people, coaches, teachers, administrators talk about personalized learning. I thought it was something great. Let's, let's give it a shot. Uh, when it comes to technology and I see somebody doing stuff, I've talked to Paul Lindgren in the past or Kent Kingston when he was here and half the time, I don't even know what the program is or what they're doing. <laughs> I just see how cool it is. And I walk in and I'm like, Kent, I want to be able to do that now. Yeah. Well, we got to train. I don't want to be trained. I just want to be able to do it and put it in my class. I don't need to know the 
85 hours of the background, can this be applied to my class? Here's how I think I can utilize it. I don't want to wait until after next summer when somebody comes and trains me. I'm going to dive in right now. I right. have some open mods and let's see what we can do. And the district has been great in allowing me to do that. Now, obviously, sometimes, I, you know, you, hey, we got to put it on hold here. This is a sure. trial there. Um, so through personalized learning, I know for me, there are certain lifts that I just don't like. They don't, I don't get the response that I want. I don't feel the muscles I'm supposed to feel. Mm -hmm. But if I give a little bit of variation based on another way to train that muscle or that movement, boom, it, that helps. That's awesome. I felt that. I felt it the next day to where I felt like I got better. I hit the training effect. So when I teach kids exercises for muscle groups, I try to do a progression. I try to give them four or five different options. And this starts with the end of strength training one and a lot in strength training two. If I want to teach a squat type movement, I take a couple weeks and teach a goblet squat, a lumberjack squat, a front squat, a back squat, an RESS. Through those teachings and watching kids do those exercises, there may be certain kids that they can't back squat due to limitations in their ankle flexibility. They don't have stability in their spine. They just can't you know, keep a flat back. They can't maintain their core. So we got to mm -hmm. bring them back to something where that's not going to be an issue. They can still train their legs. And through that learning process of you know evaluating the kids, having conversations with the kids, you talk to them as well. After a few weeks of that, their workout turns into on the board. It doesn't say you're all going to do front squat. It's going to say squat choice. We're doing four sets of five. So each kid can pick the choice where they like that exercise the best. Sure. My thought process, and it's pretty much validated by observation. Obviously, I'm not doing surveys on how you felt about that exercise. But they're picking that exercise. And I usually get a lot more effort and ownership when the kids get to pick that movement for that muscle group. Yeah, and those are the same things we talk about in the classroom, right? right. Like, let's give choice. Let's give right. ownership. Let's let them find the ways in which they can take what we have. Or we're, Like you said, we're still trying to do this right. thing. I just am going to yeah. give you the freedom and the flexibility to, to, to have the wiggle room to make that fit you, and it increases engagement. Yeah. There is a caveat to this. Because of the potential for injury, which a lot of classes don't have, Right. You know, I have to teach the kids the basics of each lift first. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the initial learning has to be done by me because... Sure. Every kid is different. Every kid has a you know a, a longer shin bone or inflexible ankles or they've had shoulder surgery or they've been in car accidents and they've lost some flexibility here and there. So I have to be the teacher of the movement and how we're going to utilize a different device just to make sure the kids can do it safely. Right. But the developmental learning, getting the efficiency of the movement, figuring out where their sticking points on the movement they got to work through, that's kind of their choice with the exercise selection they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's still a role for me to make sure that they're going to be able to do it safely and we're not sending kids to the nurse and the doctor's office and everything else. See. But the continued development, I try to put it back on the student to figure out, okay, you're not progressing in this certain lift. Why do you think that is? What, what's the issue here? You know, are they, and it, it becomes a conversation. Now, when I get into strength training three, in all their other strength training classes, I was giving them the program. I was giving them the workout. I, would, I was kind of putting my views of what they should be doing on paper. They just kind of had to go with it. Was there always time that they can do some of the stuff they wanted to do at the end? Yes, there was. I, I tried to build that in. Now, with our changing of classes and we're only doing 40 minutes instead of 80 minutes, that time is less and less. Um, but for strength training three... After we go through initial parts of the class and we reintroduce, because some of the kids haven't taken strength training since their sophomore year and now they're seniors. 
So we go over a month, month and a half of introducing all these exercises again. But because they have the one and two background, we do it with the projector and the modifications and they make sure mm-hmm. they have limited rest. They're not doing heavy weight. It's just kind of reintroducing them in an organized, systematic way where they're doing 30 seconds of work, 30 seconds of rest, on to the next exercise. Um, so it's a little bit more forceful. And then we kind of start talking to the kids about, all right, you took this class for a reason. Strength training three, we're going to try to teach you how to utilize the weight room for goals that you want to have. Yeah. I know my goals, but my goals might be different than your goals. You took this class for a reason. So let's try to get that reason into your workout. So we go through what is a SMART goal is. What is something you can accomplish in class, in class only? Mm-hmm. I don't want you to have to do eight hours of workouts at home to accomplish <laughs> right. the goal. Right? So it's got to be something we can do three days a week. It's got to be something that we can measure. And it's got to be something that's achievable in a seven, eight-week span. Right. Because by the time we introduce it, we're looking at about maybe 10 to 12 weeks left in class. In, in the like, semester. I want to pick up a truck. And you're like, yeah, and I want to be able to grade it and, you know, have a little bit of a, yeah. a feedback session after that. <laughs> right. So, and, and honestly, the, the SMART goal thing for the kids, we start out, we take 10 minutes out of the class and give them a sheet of paper and have them start thinking and writing down, brainstorming what they think a SMART goal would be. And then we, through the next couple classes, while they're doing the workouts, they hand me their paper. We have a little two, three, four minute interview process where I'm talking to them about their goals and asking them questions. Okay, you said that you wanted to look great. How do we measure that? Well, I would take pictures. Okay, but how we measure what great is. You know, know, what if the day that it's a test, you wake up and you got a big old zit right here. You know, it had nothing to do with your training effect, but are you gonna look great? You know, so it's like, you know, we gotta have something that has numbers, has a time, has a, has, has something that's measurable. quantitative, measurable. Yeah. And so that's a hard process for the kids because, you know, everybody's got, well, I want to look better. I want to look great. Or yeah. I want to get bigger. Okay. <laughs> you can do that by eating McDonald's every day, you know, kind of, you know, and then do anything with the class. So, right. so those, those, the smart goals, that's, that's kind of a longer part of the whole process is the students coming up with what is something that's measurable, achievable, can be done in class, doesn't need a lot of outside time. Mm-hmm. Then after that, we, Come up with what they're going to use to measure that. So they got to come up with a pre-test and post-test. Of course, that's where I come in and make sure that their toast test is going to be safe. Uh, there's certain parts of the body you don't do a you know one rep max on because you're going to tear a ligament or a tendon or have some kind of huge injury, and we got to make sure it's safe. So I got to kind of teach them what are tests that would measure this. Mm-hmm. How can we do that? Um, it's got to be something that can be done in class. I use the gymnasium too. I had a couple of students this semester pick they wanted to get faster. But obviously, I couldn't take all my class outside and watch them run a mile and a half while everybody else's goal had something to do with this strength. So right. we equated the faster into a 20-yard start. That's something we can test after a little warm-up. We can be done with that test in you know, four minutes while the other students can be doing some ab work or some lunges or whatever. Sure. And so there, there's just different things how we're going to have to correlate that. So well, I like hearing that, too, that you allowed them even... Sometimes when it comes to personalized learning, too, we talk about, well, we're going to give them choices. We're going to put, I mean, the analogy we use sometimes is put all the cars on the lot, and you get to pick which one you want, and you have to drive. But those are, you're limited to these, which um, really sounds kind of like your, like uh, strength and conditioning, too. You know, mm-hmm. is here, here's your lifts. Here's what we're going to get done. But then we sort of joke that at some point, a student's going to come up to you and go, I want to fly a plane. Yeah. <laughs> and, and maybe that plane is to get faster. And so in order to do that, you're going to have to kind of create a different like learning construct, which might take you to the gym, which might take you out to the track, you know, or mm-hmm. something like that, um, and still find the flexibility and the creativity within your current system to allow that kind of stuff to happen is, 
is awesome. And I, you know, as I'm listening to you talk, I'm just over here kind of, you know, it, it, and we've talked about this a little bit informally yeah, before, have. just tripping all these triggers as far as that personalized learning. So stage one, it's entirely you putting all the cards in the lot. Stage two, you know, you're working with the students. And stage three, it's where they're really setting their own goals and, and trying to get where they want uh, things to go. And so, you know, I'm certainly hearing that in the process uh, as it pertains to your strength and conditioning three class that they're getting to a place where this is, this matters to me. Uh, and that, and I'm looking, can you give me some direction? And like you said, it's not that the teacher goes away at that point because you're still there to, well, this isn't measurable. And, and how are we going to, you know, uh, who do you, they need a sounding board uh, exactly. to bounce ideas off of, to be reassured that the path that they've set is going to get them where they need to go. Uh, and even if it's in that strength and conditioning two class, and like you said, sort of reinforced uh, a little bit in strength and conditioning three, their students don't know how to take control of that, like to be autonomous learners, you know, and to be uh, self-guided. And I, I think that there is a responsibility on the teacher's part to start to scaffold for that. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it sounds like that's certainly happened in you guys' system as well. Right. Yeah. Um, once we get over coming up with the pre-test and post-test, then kind of the next step, the kids still have to do a workout that I organize, that I run. And then after that, they have to actually do a little research. If they pick, let's say they want to get their legs stronger, they pick exercises that's going to work on leg development. If they want to exercise or their goal is to get faster, it might be the same things because I can't just have one kid go outside and just work on form running the entire class while everybody right. is inside. So part of the parameters where it was their goal setting has to be on exercises or movements that can be improved in the weight room. Because we started in the, in the winter time when it was really cold out, so we weren't going to go outside for everything anyway. Yeah. I still controlled about half the class because they're only working on one goal. I said they had to have three to four exercises per class that, that was theirs. Mm -hmm. And then the other part of the class, I was in control, so I was still teaching them new stuff, and I was teaching them exercises that I was pretty confident wasn't going to be on their goal sheets for exercises. So I started sure. introducing kettlebell type stuff or suspension training exercises or balance training stuff mm -hmm. that I was pretty confident the kids wouldn't select already. And if they did, awesome, good job, if it yeah. applied. And of course, then we had to go back and they had to tell me why they picked that exercise and how it was going to help their goal if yeah. they understood that. Well, and I think the thing, too, that sometimes there's a misunderstanding with personalized learning. They say, well, if a kid just wants to freaking show up and learn about clowns, they just learn about clowns? You're like, yeah. no, it's not, it's, not, it's not Montessori necessarily. There's, right. there's still... Uh, it's still public school education with standards and indicators and things that we're trying to get accomplished, but it's just making the space for the student to take more ownership of that, drive it towards their own goals, and find where their interests and what they're about can kind of meet what you're doing, which it sounds mm -hmm. like that, I mean, that sounds like a nice, you know, happy medium, I feel like, there in, yeah. in that, that vein. Is there kind of anything else, I guess, uh, to kind of bring things a little bit to of a close that, that you would say to other people who teach you know, strength and conditioning type courses uh, as far as the, the implementation of, let's just say, that personalized kind of mindset to how, how you view getting particularly strength and conditioning three ready to design this stuff on their own without having mm -hmm. to, like, leave and go get a trainer, you know, the second right. they get out of here. Yeah, what would you kind of impart to well, somebody? I guess that's kind of one of the things that I hope, don't know, because obviously somebody might have to hire a personal trainer later in life just mm -hmm. for the motivation, the accountability. <laughs> that's true. You know? When you tell people what your goals are, it's a little bit more accountable. But if you don't want to tell anybody your goals and you're not motivated, then maybe you do have to hire a personal trainer. Yeah. But I would hope that once the kids, students kind of go through that goal setting, it doesn't always have to apply to weight training. It could apply to being a better free throw shooter. Right. It could apply to you know learning how to drive better. Set a goal, 
come up with the steps that you're going to make that goal a reality by this is what I have to do on this day, this is what I have to do on this day, this is what I have to do on this day. And hopefully it, it those long-term habits kind of creep in and it just kind of applies to other aspects of their life. Yeah. Deal with a lot in athletics. It's kind of a no-brainer that if a kid knows that he might not be the varsity sprinter because he not fast enough, well, rather than just relying on Coach Ellers or Coach Preister, maybe in the offseason when he isn't around them, well, what do I need to work on? Three exercises that helps my, my power phase or three elevates that help my drive phase. And he takes it upon himself the three days a week he's going to work on his drive phase. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's something that, you know, by come back next season, he's a completely different athlete. And maybe he's got a chance to, to get into that varsity spot as a sprinter, whether it's the 100, 200, whatever. Um, and I think it's just, it's a good lesson for the kids. And I'm not afraid to take a little bit of time to try to teach something like that. And yeah. obviously it's not going to be for every single kid. Um, there's going to be kids that just don't want to do that. And you kind of, kind of push them along and maybe mm-hmm. try to find something that, you know, a couple of years ago, I had a student that he, he couldn't come up with a goal. And so through talking to him more and more and more discovered that he was a huge skateboarder, loved skateboarding. So we tried to come up with a goal that was going to apply to skateboarding for him. And, uh, it was a stretch and we were kind of building on, we couldn't do just balance training all the time, but part of skateboarding is really having a lot of balance. Yeah. But I showed him some articles, how getting stronger, single leg and uh, double leg exercises and balance training and calf strength and dorsiflexion and plantar or uh, supination, all different kinds of movements that we can put through the, the, the lower body can help with balance. Certain exercises with eyes open, eyes closed and everything else. So we kind of developed a little bit of, I gave him a little bit of things to read, and hopefully that kind of spurred his interest on a little bit more. So it took a little longer, but he did develop some kind of a goal, and he was able to come up with a workout. The problem with the balance thing, it was really hard to measure. Right. And so it was one of those things where I had to make a few concessions to my rule about, okay, it's not really the best you know, thing that we can measure, mm-hmm. but it was finally a connection we made in something that was in, in interest in his life. And so there was a little give and take there that we had to do with the, the requirements and parameters. And obviously I'm not going to have kids skateboard in my weight room and do all these different things where they could <laughs> right. fall and get hurt. So, yeah. you know, we had to just be a little bit more give and take and figure Great. out where we could make some concessions and still get that environment mm-hmm. where he can try to do a little bit of goal setting and try to come up with his own workout. So one, well, the three talking points in there that I'm hearing too, is that one, the ability to be flexible is really important because again, nothing fits everybody, which is right. why we're trying to do all this stuff. Right. And that two, you are, whether it's in the classroom or in the weight room, you're going to have some reluctant people. And oftentimes, you know, like I said this on a previous podcast, but I don't, I don't know which comes first, right? Is it, the reluctant, some people will say, well, I can't do this personalized learning stuff because my learners are too reluctant. And But you go, wait, we do the personalized learning stuff so we can learn how to be effective students. It's for right. the reluctant learner. And right. so by getting him to a place where maybe even thought about an interest that like skateboarding in an entirely different way that there is like this, this strength and conditioning component to mm-hmm. something where I had not made that connection before. And uh, I would kind of just close out the podcast by saying this because I think it's probably a good note to end on is that it took a relationship investment on your end with that individual student to come to get to know him and to listen to him and understand what his interests are. Uh, and then to make, not only just like listen, but then make the investment to go, 
well, shoot, I've never had to strength and conditioning coach a, a skateboarder before. Let's right. find out. And, and you as an educator can grow in your understanding of balance and, and these other you know activities that maybe you have to kind of dust off or, or you know from, from think practices you've done before that you had to kind of get back to or research online. And for that student to see that you're willing to take the time, effort, and energy to meet him in that place just really speaks to how awesome you are. And I, I appreciate Thank you. I appreciate uh, that. I'm sure that student did. And um, that's uh, well, you the know, kind of stories I like to tell here. Yeah, Craig. This uh, is what we're talking about. I'll say this. I am, not a, I am not opposed to admitting to an entire class of kids, hey, I made a mistake. And yeah. I'm also the first guy when a kid comes up and asks me a question, I don't know the answer. I know people I can call. Yeah. Or I know people I can call and ask them, who should I call? And I get, I think in PE classes you get that a lot because everything we do is based on movement and every kid is different. Every kid has had a different upbringing, experience, injury, collision, mm-hmm. growth spurt, non-growth, you know, just whatever. Everybody's just different. Disposition and about so exercise. we have to make those adjustments all the time. And it, it makes it very, you're, you're already doing that when you ask kids, just so you make sure you don't do any harm is you have to ask kids up front, probably the first 10, 15 classes, you remind them, if you have any previous medical injuries or histories or ailments or collisions or surgeries that I should know about that you still have pain or adjustments from, you have to let me know. I'm not trying yeah. to get into your injury history, but I don't want to do something that cause you harm. I want to train you. I want to hopefully get you to development. But I don't want you to sit back and you're leaving here with so much pain. But you got to let me know. I mean, yeah. not everything is going to be on your medical form through the school. Mm-hmm. It could be something happened when you were three. I have no idea. It could have happened something last week. And so you're trying to get the kids comfortable with doing that. And you can tell me in my office. You don't have to go and blurt it out in the middle of the room that you don't have a pinky toe. I mean, that doesn't have to have to be out there, you know. Right. So you can come talk to me privately about that. And we'll make adjustments. And so you're already building kind of some kind of relationship to try to get them to trust you that... I don't want to do any harm. Right. Yes, you might get sore. That's what happens in weight training, but I don't want to do any harm. Yeah. And so you got to communicate with me, and I'm in turn going to communicate with you how we can make these adjustments. Some injuries or modifications we have to make might make the word out harder for that person compared to everybody else. Mm-hmm. And then there's some way times it goes the other way. What everybody else is doing is a lot harder than what you're doing, but it's just what has to be done to train the movement and the muscles. Yeah. And so you're kind of developing that relationship from day one is to understand, of course, I open up about all the injuries I've had and what changes I've had to make so they realize that, yes, I've gone through those things in my, my what, myself. And, you know, you tell us some stories like, yeah, there's a mistake I made. I paid for it, and so yeah. did my parents when they took me to the hospital, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, so the kids are like going, oh, I guess, you know, right. <laughs> he's speaking from experience. So, so well, it kind of helps. Thanks for uh, being willing to invest in all of them to that degree. Thanks for modeling the process of what it is to – to not always have to have the answers, but being willing to work through uh, finding them. And uh, final thanks, too, for being willing to share your story, because I do think that stuff's just really important for any of us to learn from. Like you said, you have kind of your on-demand you know, professional development with resources like this podcast, so right. I appreciate your willingness to share. No problem. Thank you very much. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a wrap on another great episode. For more information or to contact us directly, you can email our team at personalized.learning at westside sixty six. As always, thanks for tuning in and learning from the Westside Personalized Podcast.